You're listening to the Fire Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 21, published on January 24th, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking to Rob High about youth gang mentality. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back, relax for this week's episode. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit their website, ftaprotect.com, to learn more about their instructor co- coverage they offer and a competitive pricing. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by LASR Classic Trainer. Break the 180-degree plane by using LASR to set up a realistic shooting scenario for yourself or with others. Dry fire practice is used by professionals all the time, so why not introduce the benefits of it to your students? Use LASR Classic to reach students who may not have a firearm or when a range is not close. Use LASR to help break students anticipating a shot. Have the students practice engaging multiple targets in their house or place of business. LSR is easy to set up and tear down because all you need is a Windows laptop with a webcam to use it. That allows you to set up anywhere you can take your laptop. The application also works with any laser device from laser cartridges you put in your firearm to dedicate laser trainers. LSR is vendor-owned and operated. Find out more information at lasapp.com and receive a 10% discount for listening to this podcast by using discount code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Rob High from CCW Safe. Welcome, Rob, and thanks for taking your time to share your experience with our audience. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Great. Well, prior to you joining the uh, CCW Safe uh, staff, you had you did a little stint with uh, the, with the gang unit. Can you give us a little bit of your background? Because I'd like to ask you a few questions about gang activities and what maybe instructors should think about when they're teaching their students on how to be prepared for encounters with, uh, especially juvenile gangs. Absolutely. Um, I actually worked in the grocery business for about 15 years. And when I was doing that, I was an adjunct high school wrestling coach. So I've been involved with the sport of wrestling since I was seven years old. So uh, in excess of 50 years now, I had some experiences as a teenager that kind of moved me away from law enforcement. But uh, my little brother got on and I went on a ride along with him. And realize within 30 minutes, oh my gosh, this is exactly what the kid in me thought being law enforcement would be. So I wound up applying. Um, I made way too much money at the time. And it took me five years to pay off all my debts and everything and get hired. <clears throat> I did uh, almost 26 years with the Oklahoma City Police Department. I worked patrol. I worked. Uh, a small undercover kind of narcotics kind of unit, but basically in-house unit for the major at a, at a division that we were kind of his fix it team, you know, go, go do this, go do that. After that, I went to gang enforcement and I actually had two assignments there. I was there for four years and then I went back again for three years later in my career. So I've got seven years working just strictly criminal intelligence, going after gang members and things like that. Um, Probably the funnest time of my career. And at the same time, without question, the most dangerous time of my career. And they were, for some of the reasons that you think would be dangerous. And once you get on the inside, there were other reasons that you had never, ever thought of that made things really dangerous. And one of those things was the fact that once these older guys have caught some cases and all of a sudden now he's already a felon and things like that, they know that they're going back if they're getting, if they're caught with a firearm. And so the easiest way was to have a little, little dude near you and you'd pass off your gun to this little dude, well, if something something breaks, this little dude does not have the mental capability. He does, he's not developed enough to understand really the full ramifications of what happens if he pulls that gun out. And, and they do. 
I've taken guns off kids as young as nine years old. Um, that's kids that have done, they, they've grown up and known nothing but the gang life their whole entire life. So uh, a couple of us used to go and teach to sociology classes and uh, different criminal justice classes in different colleges around the state because they'd want to know some of the things that, that we did. And they, you know, one of the questions that always came up is how do you stop it? And I just say, you can't, it, it's such an ingrained cultural thing now. And you've taken kids that have come from single parent homes with a mom that's working two or three jobs to do the very best she can to try to get these these kids raised up and keep a roof over their head and food on the table, that she's really an absent parent and they kind of get pulled into this gang life. And then there's others that everybody in the family is in the gang life. So it would be like, you know, you and I growing up and being uh, St. Louis Cardinals fans. You know, pick a team, any team, but everybody in our family loves that team. It's our team. We grow we know up. nothing different than to cheer for, cheer the for same that one team. team. Yeah, that's everybody is is geared that way. Well, now you've taken it up a notch higher because you've got these kids that have the ability to make 10 times more money in a day than mom's making in a week. And they do. So part of when we would do a, a raid, when we do a, a search warrant would be to collect photographic evidence and things like that. And to have, you know, a, a blood family where it's multiple families and you've got infants dressed in red all the way up to grandmas and everybody's posing around the the gang and why not? I mean, they're the guys that are the breadwinners and why would I ever want a job at McDonald's when I watch this guy over here and all he does is pedal a little bit of dope on the corner and he's got a pocket full of cash. So it's, it's a world, you know, I, I was in my thirties when I got on the department and I thought, you know, the, you're not going to shock me. You're not going to show me anything new. And I was shocked every day because it was just not anything that I was ever raised around. I wasn't, I didn't grow up like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I would imagine if you've got a whole family neighborhood that is looking up to the gangs as the breadwinners, as the people that are keeping them in control, um, you know, those are the, uh, their heroes. I they mean, really not, are. They're not, you know, maybe what we normally classify as heroes, but they're the heroes for the neighborhood of the family, the bloodline, those types of things, because when there's a problem, they take care of it. Now, maybe, you know, that might not be legal, but it's one of those things that we've got to keep in mind that, you know, that's why you've got, you know, neighborhoods that start attacking the police when they're arresting the wrong, you know, the, the right person, but at the wrong area and they start getting attacked because they feel they're trying to save their, their hero. Well, you know, you and I had discussed earlier, you know, we had the, the shooting this week in Virginia, you've got a six-year-old that somehow gets a hold of a family firearm and goes to school and it's not an accident. You know, they've already come out and, and said this was a deliberate act. And he mm -hmm. sh child shoots his teacher. It, it's going to be amazing when we finally hear what what all the facts are that that surround that that made them make that determination so quickly. Um, but the culture of violence is just so much more dramatic than it was even when my children were were coming up. There there wasn't anything like that when my kids were we're small and in school, not anywhere around them. It's, it's one of those that when they have, it's almost an immunity. They, they built up so much tolerance to the overwhelming violence around their lives that 
they're not afraid of you and I. They're just not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was vid- visiting with Paul Sharp, <clears throat> and we were talking, and he he put this into words. And as soon as he said it, I, I first thing I thought is, God, I've I've seen that a hundred times, and it's a high risk warrant, and you're going in, and you're you're going with body armor, and you're going with you know, full, really full battle rattle as far as law enforcement goes. Yeah. You're kitted out. Yeah. You're, you're, you're all the way ready to, to, to go. And you know, that occupants in the house are armed or known to be armed. Um, most of them have already been convicted felons and there's all kinds of things going on with that. And we go in and we breach the door and a team makes entry and you're talking about guys with long guns or shotguns and other guys with handguns that are putting hands on people and doing all the things they have to do. And all of a sudden you come through a room and you've got two or three little ones that are sitting there playing a video game and they're pissed off because you're in the way. They've already got that immunity to your presence. It doesn't matter. And you're coming in with, you know, depending on the team you're on, you may be coming in with automatic weapons. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those that they're just like, get out of the way. You're you're interrupting my game, dude. (laughs) Yes. So fast forward, say that's a a eight or 10 year old fast forward 10 years. And this kid gets stopped on traffic and he's, he may be slipping that day. He's got a bag of dope or a gun, or he's wanted, or whatever, and you point a gun at him, he's not afraid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the same reaction that you and I do. Um, the numbers of uses of a firearm that I have over the course of a career are in the thousands. <clears throat> and I was fortunate that I've never had to take a life. There were times that I was in a position that it needed to be done, but because of other circumstances and all kinds of people moving around between myself and a target, it was not safe to make that shot. You know, there are all those other factors that weigh into us as good guys. You know, we're we're having to weigh all these things because we understand that, yes, we're responsible for every single round that we fire here. Mm -hmm. Those guys don't care. They're indiscriminate. They're and obvi- unbelievably, they're they're actually pretty decent at what they do. Um, so if they go active, it's not their first rodeo. Yeah, I mean, just like you were talking about, you know, you as a police officer had drawn your gun thousands of times to, uh, in the course of your job. When you look at gang members, they've probably gone through and have been at gunpoint, you know, with other dealers. They probably have been, you know, at gunpoint or been chased, you know, before by the police, you know, all these different kinds of things, you know, many, many times before they're actually apprehended. So pointing a gun at them or, you know, them taking off like a jackrabbit and having to chase them, it's, it's not something to where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, don't know what happened. They, they do it methodically because they know if they can make it through the, you know, two blocks, three blocks, they might, they can get to a place that they know is safe. Um, that turns the tables, you know, against the police or whoever's chasing them type of thing. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, gang on gang activity is, you know, one kind of crime, but then you also have the gangs that will, you know, victimize, you know, innocent people that are walking on the, on the streets or, you know, break into their houses because, you know, that's, that's what they do. That's what they're good at. I mean, it sounds terrible to say that they're good at, you know, committing crimes except for their criminals and that's the one thing that they focused on to do and they the only way you get really good at doing something is doing it over and over again and they've uh, established that pattern and there was you know it's funny you say that there there was one that i dealt with a lot and at one point in time when i was working undercover stuff he was actually a an informant for me <clears throat> and he was brilliant i mean Truly, he was brilliant, and he just chose that this is the path that I'm going to go. That's 
And it wasn't like his whole family was like that. His dad was the principal at at a large high school. His mom was a sweet lady that held a full-time job. He just was, he loved the life. That's what he did. He didn't want to have a regular job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you know, he pro- probably could have been a great entrepreneur, you know, starting up small businesses and, you know, getting the adrenaline rush from that, but going along and, you know, having the chance, you know, the potential of getting arrested for, you know, dealing of, you know, the gang activity, those types of things, uh, you know, got got his attention earlier on. Um, you know, I, I'm amazed when you go along and think about the criminals, the gangs that go along and perpetrate the skimming activities at gas stations and different things. Think of the valuable skills that they have to be able to go along and interact and work with a card reader like that. If they turn legit, they could probably get a job with that card, with that uh, credit card company or credit card reader and be able to go along and fix those machines, replace them, do those types of things. But instead, they choose to go along and do it the other way to where they put the skimmers on the device to be able to do, um, you know, criminal activity. And it just kind of shows you that depending on how you apply it, the same activity can either be criminal or can be, you know, be can do uh, good for society. It, it it always amazes me. Um, you know, the other part of that, talking about how many, how many different kinds of incidents they're involved in, you know, we, as a civilian, as a citizen carrier, we train, try to train ourselves for the worst case scenario. And the odds are it's not going to come. But I can tell you just from working at CCW Safe that those days do come because we've actually had members that have had to to use a lethal force to defend themselves. The the overwhelming things that happen to Joe Citizen that's a good person that's involved in something like this, you know, it just, it wrecks their lives. You're emotionally you're it's hard to prepare for what happens to you um one of the things that i loved the first time i ever saw matthew little teaching they were on just basically a little quick break and he had everybody under shade and and he was just talking to them and i just wanted to shake the guys that were that were going through his course because the information he was giving them was so incredibly valuable. And he was talking to them about preparing yourself mentally for this situation before this situation occurs. That's a huge thing. And, and you know, we're talking about the things that these, these kids in these inner city neighborhoods have gone through. You got to understand for the vast majority of those kids, you're not their first gunfight. They've been in them. And if you haven't had, and, you know, unfortunately, we we have a lot of really good men and women that uh, accepted the call to defend this nation in the last 20 years. And we're on the receiving end of weapons with evil intentions. Um, your perspectives about a lot of things change when you get shot at. Um, I've, I've been shot at three times. It's not a lot, but it's way more than I wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I wasn't shot. But when a round is close enough that you hear it go by you, that's that's an attention grabber. And for these kids, dude, they they live that life. That's what they do. They're They're not afraid of you just you know, raising your shirt up and displaying a firearm. They're not, they're not scared of a low ready position. They're not scared of you pointing a gun at them. Cause they're like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And at the same time of preparing yourself. And if you're, if you're, you know, pointing, you know, the firearm at a, you know, 10, 11, 12, even 16 year old uh, kid that has evil intent, you've really got to go along and be able to check those boxes in your head that this is your only option and how to how to get away from it because i can imagine um if they're not scared by the gun then 
it's going to put you in a very difficult situation of, you know, what happens when they, you know, try to pull their knife? What happens when they, you know, try to go along and rush you or, Hey, probably the best solution would be them going along and saying, I'm, you know, they're just going to run away. And then you don't have anything to really worry about. It's the first two that you really got to figure out, you know, could you live with, um, you know, a 12, 13 year old kid, you know, doing something like that where you're forced to shoot, but you've got to have the, uh, knowledge that if you hadn't done something that you may not have seen tomorrow your family wouldn't have had their you know father their husband their son um, around and those are all things that you that as instructors we really need to remind our students that it's not we're not trying to go along and clean up the streets you know the the police are there to do that and it's a difficult job and probably will never be completely done but at the same time we've got to know that you know when we're in a deadly force situation we have no other choice that you know that's the time that we need to be able to act and act decisively or else we may not be able to be there for our family tomorrow and that's uh definitely a very very bad situation to be in yeah i i always threw scenarios at at the recruits that i trained <clears throat> i was the training coordinator for the police department for for a number of years and i would just give them scenarios you know you take a call of a domestic assault and you get there and the lady in the house has visible injuries. She's telling telling you that my husband did this and they're both yelling and screaming back and forth and he's not denying it. Matter of fact, he's calling her every name in the book. And suddenly you go, listen, you, this is the way we got to do this. And you, you cuff him up and you're getting ready to escort him outside to the car. And all of a sudden his son comes charging down the hallway from his bedroom with a knife overhead, yelling and screaming. That's my dad. That's my dad. Let him go. I'm going to kill you. And he's charging at you. He's going full speed. Shoot or don't shoot. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my all, all my recruits are going, shoot him, shoot him. I go, he's nine. Yep. Are you going to? It's a knife. It's not a firearm. I'm going to see if a boot to that little dude is going to get me out of this situation. Because morally, that's just not quite enough for me yet to to pull the trigger. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can, in my own head, take that shot right there. And I know it's going to, you know, this is going to happen right in front of the, the child's parents. Um, and But mm -hmm. those are real situations. Um, domestics are horrible. And they're even worse when you're doing them with families that are that are completely submerged into the gang culture because violence is their way of solving problems mm -hmm. yep well and that's one of those things where the teacher down in virginia i would guarantee you with all with the training you know education that she has probably it wasn't a single class she ever went to that saying okay what would you do if one of your students pulled a gun on you and not just from the standpoint hey you know look at this nice gun but actually pulled it on you with with the intent of that, you know, you pissed me off. This is the way I'm going to go along and, uh, you know, solve my problem. And, you know, from all the stories I've read so far, that's pretty much the way it went down that, you know, pissed the kid off and the kid wasn't going to take it anymore. So he pulled out, pulled out a gun at, you know, six years old would be what second grade, first, second grade, something like that. I mean, that's just, uh, it's, it, it it is beyond what I ever I would I would think about, but it did happen, and that just goes to show you how um, weird um, real life is compared to even you know some storybook uh, fantasy kind of uh, fiction uh, movie that we might watch. Well, you know we we talk about this. There there's a really nice mall in Oklahoma City. It's a mall that my mother would frequent. It's a mall that my daughter and my sisters and my girlfriend, all these people that I love and care about, this is a mall that would never have any qualms with just going alone until my brother and I spoke with them. And it's the fact that it's just kind of a gathering place for little gangsters. So you'll have these guys that are mostly dropouts, but some of them are still in high school. And they've already caught cases. So like we were talking earlier, they, they can't possess a gun with them right then. 
So little homie gets it over here. And if something kicks off, the little dude could be the one that's the one firing rounds. Mm -hmm. Is that an active shooter? Yeah, it is. And we've actually had that at that mall twice. And it's another one of those things. I'm, I'm with, with my wife, I'm with my family, I'm with whoever in the mall, just running an errand, but I'm a concealed carrier. Do you, do you jump in and engage? And it's all of a sudden you turn and you see it's a child with a firearm. You know, it's, it's a thing to have at least mentally processed before you're, you're into that position. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. What do you, what do you do? And, uh, you know, how do, how do you deal with it? Because I know, uh, one big mall around Cincinnati, they've actually, um, right before Christmas set a new policy that you can't be under 21 without an, an adult with you. You know, the adults gotta be over tw- 24 to be, to be there, which, um, yeah, uh, first time I heard that, it's like, well, I can remember going shopping for uh, presents for mom and dad when I was sixteen, going to the mall. Yes. But things things have changed um, from uh, from the, those times. And you know, when you've got gangs that are going to the malls, when the gangs are having fights at the mall, when the um, you know the gangs are victimizing people there because they see that you're coming from Nordstroms or that you're coming from the jewelry store, all these different kinds of things. Um, you know, the property owners got to do something. Or else somebody's going to be there, be there in the mall. And, um, you know, once you thought about it, it's like, well, you know, how, how many, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old kids really need to be in the mall without, without their parental, uh, parent with them anyway, probably not too many. Yeah. But we also live in a society that that's kind of become an easy babysitter for mm-hmm. parents and teens, you know, just go drop the kids off at the mall. We'll pick you up in five hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nothing good that's going to come from that. <clears throat> yep, exactly. For it. Uh, do you uh, have? You know, we've been talking about this from an instructor standpoint, so that we can educate our students. But do you have any effective ways of how of that you found that works in breaking contact with gang members? I mean, do they do they take it well if you just kind of walk away? Do they? you know, back down if you, you know, really, you know, really go, go toward them and start yelling at them or what would be your suggestion in going along, trying to break contact, you know, prior to actually getting into, you know, a gun battle. You are not really the focus for them anyway. You're going to be, you're going to be caught in an unfortunate position is is really going to be what happens in those cases. Um, for me, I just don't go anywhere near them. The other part of that is I don't go anywhere without a firearm. I, I've put so many people in the penitentiary that I may recognize a face, but I don't recognize what it's from all the time. So... I have a lot of people that don't care for me quite so much. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I can imagine. And when the, when you're on their turf or with their friends, it becomes uh, very quickly an unfair fight. I've I've got a good friend of mine that uh, he and his wife had twins. You know, they had one of those big side by side strollers, and the two of them are out in this exact mall I'm talking about, and just doing some shopping, walking around. And as he's getting ready to exit one of these stores, he's got a handful of these guys that that jump in front of him and start talking about what they're going to do to him. And he draws on them. Um, Really good thing for those guys that they didn't choose to engage him because he's been quite successful in the shootings that he's been in. Uh, It's not his first one. so there are instances like that that happen, but it's usually a previous knowledge thing. Uh, you know, Don West and and Branca and everybody on on 
our group, you know, from our ownership group with Kyle Sweet and Mike Darter and, and Stan Campbell, uh, Gary Eastridge and myself, our biggest deal is always preaching avoidance is is number one for us. So if, if I see them over there, I just I reroute. I don't have to go that way. Mm-hmm. Malls big enough that I can get to that store from another direction almost always. And and usually those kids herd around uh, food courts or the movie theater. That's kind of their hangout area. Um, so I, I make it a plan if I have to be there just to avoid them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really the, the simplest way. And in the event that something kicks off uh, is de-escalation. And it's one of those that I don't have, I don't have any pride when I carry a firearm. You really, if you're going to be a carrier, you really should park your pride. You can't get offended. You can't respond emotionally. It's very black and white. And I have no qualms about conceding to you. No, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry. That was my fault. Let me get out of your way and mm-hmm. move on. I'm not about to, to try to draw a line in the sand there with somebody that's unstable. I have to be the stable one in that situation. <clears throat> yep. Or, or else you get sucked into that whole cycle of, uh, violence for it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where, you know, it can be, you know, you know, they go along and they start pushing you and you push back on them. Well, then they feel like they've got to up it one more by, you know, hitting you, you know, punching you or pulling a knife or do, or getting their friends to come over and do it. And, you know, eventually you can see to where this could escalate to the point to where firearms are, uh, would be coming out. And then you get the situation that like you were talking about before, you know, it could be a, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old, uh, you know, kid. And, you know, wouldn't necessarily say it's always going to be boys. It could be girls too. Um, you know, they've got in gang activity and, you know, I'm a pretty big guy. I could, I could handle myself pretty well with a bunch of kids until of course, they up it to a certain point to where they're, you know, using something, you know, as a, as a bat baton or, or do something when they get me down the ground to where then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at their mercy because I've got all these feet and legs uh, that are, you know, kicking and doing things. And that's the kind of situation where you want to break and have the ability to get out of there. Because if you avoid the situation, those are the ones that you win a hundred percent. Yeah. Without a doubt. Who was it? Uh, Might've been Chuck Haggard. That was, talking about he's got got a hundred percent success rate in all the fights he's been able to avoid. Yeah, I think it was Chuck that said that. Never never lost a fight I that I was able to avoid. Mm-hmm. Winner. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's crazy. Um just the way society has kind of just allowed it to happen. You know, it for so many years, you had the silent majority sitting on their hands and and not saying anything. And then you've got these different factions that have figured out that the the louder they are, the more uncomfortable everybody else is. And they just concede to them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a case of our own fault. <clears throat> Yep. And, and definitely. And, uh, you know, tie back into the other podcast to where we're, where we had you on talking about the injuries, you know, after a self-defense uh, situation, um, you can have all the great, all the best training in the world. You can have the best insurance coverage, um, you know, uh, you know, for self-defense situations, but no, the one thing that nobody can, nobody can go along give you back is your peace of mind um you're you know going along and having to you know live with yourself um your your family your friends how they're going to look at you differently um for it and those are all uh such things that you know as i go along and always warn my students yes you know realize what that line is where you know somebody crosses it but then at the same time 
don't be surprised if your best friend tells you that, yeah, they, they just don't want to hang around with you anymore because you know, you went along and did something that they, they don't understand. And that's the easiest way for them to deal with it. And the, what you've really got to settle back on, like I was saying before, was knowing that you had no other choice but to defend yourself and that your training kicked in so you could survive, you could be there for your family, and that you've got, you know, a, you know, self-defense, uh, you know, company behind you that will go along, defend you both on the criminal side and also on the uh, civil side, because it's, uh, it's a nasty mess and there hasn't been a single self-defense uh, situation that I've looked into, read about where people are given high fives. It's normally, okay, this person spent a million dollars, you know, they lost their job, their wife divorced them, you know, they haven't seen their kids, but you know, they weren't found guilty. Um, just keep in mind what you're, what's all at risk there. Now they're there for their kids and their family, but at the same time, um, it, you've got to realize everything that's on the line. If you decide to escalate, uh, things or you, or if you're unsuccessful in avoiding uh, situation with IE gang members and such. Oh, there, yeah, there are times, you know, Stephen Maddox case, um, Stephen didn't have a choice. That was the third time he'd been attacked that day by the same guy. And he called 911 all the time. And he keeps getting away from the guy. The guy keeps finding him. And then finally, the guy is on top of him. And to the point that Stephen, Stephen realizes, if I don't do something right now, he's going to kill me. And, and he defends himself. Mm-hmm. But just like you were talking, he winds up, uh, he's no longer married. Uh, he lost his job. You know, fortunately, um, we were able to step in and negotiate a severance package for him that he wasn't going to get until we stepped in. Um, even after posting his bond and getting him out, he had uh, essentially he was on house arrest. He and he was able to to find employment, but he was on an ankle monitor. Mm-hmm. He could go to work and home. That's that that was his life for two years. Two years, yeah, about nineteen months. But yeah, it was yeah. a long time. Yeah, um, it it's just one of those that it affects every aspect of your life. It can affect your children. I mean, everybody, the concentric ripples from being involved in saving your own life or saving somebody else's life, they're, they're just far greater than, than anybody can really imagine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of my favorite parts. We, we, we never want any of our members with CCW Safe to ever have an experience like that. We don't, but it's the part that Gary and I excel in and to, to be able to show up on a scene with somebody and sit them down and go, this is what's coming next. And to, to kind of take the guesswork out of it, you know, you kind of line them up to where this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then next this is going to happen. It really gives them a working idea where they can kind of get their fingers in it and go, okay, I know, I know how to fight now. And, and to, to give them the comfort that this is, this is a pretty good situation and, and we're going to walk you all the way through it. Yep. And that's where, you know, having team behind you, because if it's just you, you may have done everything a hundred percent, right? But unless you know legal, you know, the, the police side of things, you understand you know, what they're what they're just going to do as part of their job, the questions they're going to ask, different things along those lines, it, it probably would be very shocking, to say the least. And that's uh, – I can't recommend having some kind of self-defense uh, assurance uh, out there, um, CCW safe for others, that will definitely help out in – giving that peace of mind that, okay, I'm here, but I've, but I'll have uh, help here shortly to make sure that I don't sit here forever. And the prosecutors are looking at the evidence uh, properly because there's two sides to every story, right? That absolutely. 
Well, hey, Rob, really appreciate insight on uh, gangs and such because, uh, like we've talked about, you know, instructors really have to help uh, their students get in the right frame of mind uh, for it. And I think we did that. But before we let you go today, we've been asking all our instructor or all our guests to recommend an annual event that instructors should check out. Do you have one that you'd like to recommend to the instructors? Ooh, I, I'm really big on training. Um, and I know in this day and age that that cost is a thing. So for me, if if I'm if I'm new to this or I really don't have a lot of connection and don't know everybody that's available out there, one of the things I try to to let everybody know is is you're gonna find really good guys in every single aspect of this. You're going to get guys that were military background guys. And there's a lot of those guys out there now that, that are pretty freaking solid. Um, You're going to get some law enforcement guys out there that are really good. You're going to get a lot of guys in the, in the civilian realm that are really good instructors, but ask around. Um, do your do your homework, do your research, because there's a lot of there's a lot of blowhards out there too, um, just selling snake oil and and really not providing a lot of real valuable training. Um, and I say you can learn from every, everybody, but you know it, if I've spent a lot of money over here and all the things I've learned is the things I'm not going to do, mm-hmm. that's a costly lesson. So I like the places that I can go and kind of get uh, a buffet style and and get several people that I can that I can get just a, a little sample from and then I can move out and go okay my next big deal is I'm going to go find Rob Beckman I'm going to I'm going to spend spend time one on one with him or in directly in just his class for for however long it takes um, so that, to have the opportunity to have that little buffet presentation, um, concealedcarry.com, Jacob Paulson and his guys do a great one. It's actually here in Oklahoma. They run it in September and it's called the guardian nation conference. And for the money, for what you get and for the caliber of instruction that you're going to get there, it is really, really, really good. Uh, another one that, that I'm really, really big on is TACCON with, with uh, Tom Givens and, and his folks. Again, you're going to get like top shelf guys across the board and be able to go, okay, that guy's really not for me. That's over my head or, or, or that's below me. I'm already I'm already past that. But I want to go see this guy and and really try to up my draw stroke or what you know. Find out what what kind of things you need to work on, and and find the good guys that that teach that stuff. And there's a lot of good guys out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would uh, go along and say a lot of the instructors at TACCON, um, Tom Tom Givens, uh, uh, Carl Wren. Uh, and and company that teach there we've had on the podcast um, a lot of the people at the Guardian Conference um, with uh, Andrew Bronca and uh, Riley Bowman and those uh, you know we've had them on the podcast also so they're all good and you can listen you can literally listen to them before you even attend those conferences for it. and I would go along and if anybody's looking to go to TACCON TACCON 2023 is sold out um, and they will be opening up 2024 probably sometime in early early april so keep your eyes open if you're going to go to it register early because it does not uh, last open too long the guardian conference uh, they've got their third one coming up at the beginning of uh, september and uh, with that um, don't wait too long because uh, every year they keep growing and growing and i could uh, see them getting very close to to uh, selling out uh, this year for it so two good solid uh, recommendations there so i appreciate it rob well, where can people find out more information about you, Rob? And if they want to reach out and contact you about anything, uh, what's the best way? Um, I, I am always welcome to anybody reaching directly out. Um, I work for CCW Safe. 
They can get me at my email and it's rob at ccwsafe.com. Our main website is ccwsafe.com. You can get all the the inside inside information on on the plans that we offer and things like that. You know, we we've, we've talked about there are several companies out there that that do this kind of thing. <clears throat> do your research. Um, I would I would encourage you to to understand the difference between a group that that gives an insurance product versus a group that is not an insurance product uh, for the, for the sole purpose of if it's against the law to insure an illegal act. So if I was involved in a shooting and I was convicted or I was uh, offered a deal to a lesser included that kept me out of jail or something like that, it's still a conviction. It's still pleading guilty to an illegal act. And the company that is an insurance then has an obligation to go back and do what they call a clawback or a recoupment. And they need the money back that they spent to defend you. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's a bitter pill to swallow. You, you've lost your case and now you've got to pay the money back that that was spent on your defense. There are companies out there that will just cut you a check. Here, here's your money. Go, go find the people you need. If you are not involved in this business all the time, you don't know which kind of attorney you need, what investigators you need, the experts that you're going to need to do this, whether you're going to need a jury consultant, all of the things that, that are included in this that are so far above and beyond. And the proudest thing for me is CCW Safe is a legal membership that provides unlimited criminal defense and civil defense. We're the only ones in the industry that have a full concierge service. So if you're involved in a self-defense incident that results in great bodily injury or death, we actually come to you. We help you through the process and start working that out. You can select your own attorney if you like. Uh, if not, our National Trial Counsel is Don West. He is, in my personal opinion, the very best uh, self-defense attorney. He's been highly successful, incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and in the event that there is a verdict against you, um, we immediately go into appeals without repaying us back for an insurance product. So we move straight forward into appeals and that's covered as well. So whether it's an appeal or an expungement at the end of that, or if it is a, uh, uh, a civil action that comes, we, we cover court costs, uh, attorney fees, expert fees, everything associated with, with, that kind of coverage. So uh, we're, we're very proud of the service that we offer. We know that there's nobody else that, that does what we do to the, to the degree that we do. And, uh, but no matter who you, who you go with, if, if you're going to carry a firearm, carry some kind of coverage, yep. that, that's my big spiel. And one plug that I will also go along and talk about CCW safe. They also have a very good uh, podcast. So besides <laughs> listening to the Farm Trainer podcast, uh, think about going out there looking for the CCW safe, and uh, they talk about more legal issues that you should be thinking about, caring about mindset, different things along those lines. And um, I listen to it and pick up those uh, little bits of nugget that help uh, you to go along and have uh, you know current information in your mind about what would you do in those in different situations. So that's a free plug for your uh, podcast there, Rob, and you're on that frequently also thanks brother um there's there's four places that, that they can grab that too we got it on our instagram page our facebook page on youtube or straight off of our um our website ccwsafe.com and if you'll just go to the icon at the top of the screen that says news and click on that it's got all kinds of articles and all kinds of 
training stuff and all kinds of podcasts and legal legal stuff from Don West and Andrew Branca and and guys I I really feel like are are the very best in the business. So uh, you guys are always welcome to jump over there and and check that stuff out for free. Share it with your friends. Let everybody know. So it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of, it's a labor of love, um, but it's really not a labor for us because it's really the thing that we truly truly enjoy doing. So, mm-hmm. yep, great information there on podcasts as well as your uh, website for what uh, articles are out there. So good. Well, Rob, thanks for your time again. Thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again for maybe a little lighter topic than talking about just about gangs. Absolutely. Anytime. (laughs) Have a good one. You too. Bye. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you took some valuable information away from Rob's experience about dealing with uh, gangs and some of the youth members and pass it on to your students. Valuable information like that, that I think uh, sits you apart from other instructors that just teach from a book and when you go along and actually give real life examples to them. If you want to come on the podcast, have a topic or know somebody that should be on the podcast, email me your thoughts at FTP at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page and on our website at firemtrainerpodcast.com. If you're interested in previous episodes, go out to our website. Do a search and you can find the episodes that could be most important to you about training, about going along, engaging different communities, about marketing. They're all there on our website. Also, want you to ask you to leave us a review on the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you listen to us on. These ratings help us know that we're meeting your expectations and also let others know how well we're doing. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fire Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Be safe out there, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.